The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Please be taking your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. You have time to get there in your Bibles or in your device, whatever it is that you have to be able to have God's Word in front of you, you have time to get there. It's so good to be back with all of you. I had a good time preaching at the Youth Weekend Retreat that I had a number of our students also there, and I had a great time preaching the gospel, seeing God's children come to know him and know him better. I want to thank Pastor David for preaching for me while I was gone, and uh, I trusted that the gospel would be preached and that Christ's name and mission would be championed, and I believe indeed that it was. But we are in today Jonah chapter 2, continuing on in our series titled God and the Rogue Representative. There's a story I've heard that perhaps you've heard also of a girl who came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and was so passionate about her faith, she was so excited to share it that she would go to the street corner and she would share with passerbys, anyone that would stop to listen, she would share about this man named Jesus that she came to know that saved her from her sins. And, and there was this one intellectual skeptic in nice clothes that walked by one day and, and he heard this girl telling others about this man that she had come to know, this man named Jesus who saved her from her sins. And and he thought to himself, I'm going to make a fool of this girl. He was so intellectual and so educated. He had gotten too smart for his own britches, you might say. And, and he says to the girl, do you really believe that the Bible is true? And she says, yes, I, I believe it's God's word and I believe it to be true. And he says, do you believe every part of it? And she says, yes, I believe that all of it is there and true and it's God's word. And, and he says, do you believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by that whale or big fish or whatever it was that God's word says that it was and she says yes even if I have trouble understanding something and how something could be so my God is not limited by what makes sense to me he could absolutely do that and and he says see that that is an impossibility it's impossible for a man to be swallowed by a fish and survive in that way and she says sir I don't I don't need to figure that out I'll just I'm just going to trust and and, and I, if I need to know how that all worked, if Jonah's surviving in the belly of that fish, then, then someday when I'm in heaven, I'll ask him. And this intellectual man thinking that he had this little girl outsmarted, he says, well, what if Jonah's in hell? To which the girl then shrugged and said, well, then you can ask him. So <laughs> raise your hand if you've heard that story before. Yeah, so some of you guys are just playing along with me. That's good. I appreciate you. So we know, most of us probably know this story about Jonah. Even if it's been a while since you've been in church or maybe you don't know much of God's Word, this is one of those stories that's similar to David and Goliath. Even you, without ever stepping foot into a church, you've heard of Jonah and this supposed story of this fish swallowing him. And simply to recap the story, God said, go. Jonah said, no. And God said, oh sends this fish there's these wicked people called the Ninevites they were indeed wicked uh, even non-believers will tell you this historians will tell you that the Ninevites were a wicked people the the things that they would do to 
the people that they would conquer, they were, they were a rough crowd. And by rough, I mean vulgar, violent, wicked. Jonah knew this. Jonah knew that God was patient, that he was loving, that he would be full of compassion with these people. If Jonah, Jonah knew that if he went to go preach this message to the Ninevites that God had called him to preach, that God was going to save him, Jonah really didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. He wanted God to get them. And therefore, he, he fleed. He went from Joppa. He went down to Joppa, this ship port kind of area. And then he was going to go to Tarshish, which was about 3,000 miles away from Nineveh. And we know of this story that as he's in the process of fleeing from God's calling, the storm comes up. We saw last time how this was a picture of the gospel. Many areas all throughout scripture that give us a picture of the gospel, a kind of picture of what Jesus has done. These, we saw how these waves represented God's wrath against sin. Here's Jonah, disobedient. Storm is there because of his disobedience. He was then thrown overboard. He asked the other sailors to throw him overboard. He was the sacrificial lamb, if you will, which calmed the wrath of God. He, it was, it was, he soaked up the wrath of God, that same picture of Jesus, and this fish swallowed him. Now, God has used, did use, many people to write Scripture from many different vantage points. Job wrote what he wrote from the vantage point of the trials that he went through. Solomon wrote from the standpoint, from the vantage point of his abundance of wisdom that he had. David wrote from many different vantage points, ones of praying against God's enemies, one of, in Psalm 51 there, of, of praying of repentance. He wrote from many different vantage points. The disciples, they wrote scripture. God used them as the pen through which to write scripture from the vantage point that they knew Christ, they walked with him in the flesh. But here in this second chapter of Jonah, this is probably, not probably, this is the most, out of all scripture, the most peculiar vantage point from which to be used of God to write scripture from inside a stomach. Like, let's just acknowledge that that sounds weird, that he is writing this entire chapter two that we'll be in today. He's later writing, it wasn't like, I don't think, pretty sure he didn't have papyrus paper and ink and whatnot in the belly of the fish, but he is, he's being used of God to write scripture from the vantage point of the belly of this fish. Psalm 139, 7-10 says, where can I go from your spirit, the psalmist says of God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Even in the stomach of this fish, which by the way, if you weren't here for part of the first part of this sermon series, it is absolutely feasible that Someone could be swallowed by a fish and survive it. The reason we know that is, I mean, A, I believe it because God's word says it, but B, also, it's happened before multiple times throughout the course of history that people have experienced that and survived. But God is not limited by what we can understand. Even if it was something that has never happened before, I believe it simply because God's word says it and I have found him to be trustworthy. Um, but even in the belly of this fish, God is dealing with him. He's dealing with Jonah. He's leading Jonah from the belly, from the stomach of this fish. And that's really good news for all of us because I believe that in the same way that 
Jonah was this kind of rogue representative, that there's a little bit of Jonah inside of each of us, probably more than others. Uh, I, I believe, I know that there are people in this room that are called to ministry. I believe with all my heart. And, uh, and you, the, the Jonah inside of you has, has been running. And instead of being on a ship that's fleeing to, to Tarshish, you are fleeing with another career, another life. There, we're all called to minister, but there are many of you, many believers who have never really ministered inside of a church, never really discipled someone. There's many people who have never, fought, never bowed down to the biblical authority in their life and all the facets of life in which God commands us to go. I believe there's many of us that fall into that category, maybe even all of us to some degree, and for differing reasons. And if a horse is out in the pasture and they get a wound on them, uh, horse's flesh is kind of weird. If you and I get a cut, it will usually just grow back together and there's a little bit of a scar tissue there. Horse's flesh is kind of interesting in that if they get a wound and it doesn't meet properly, it'll start growing what is called, they call it proud flesh. And it's not like a tumor, but it looks like a tumor. A horse can get just a nick from a sharp fence and, and it will grow all this crazy looking flesh and it's just the way that it grows back. And, and what needs to be done is and it is painful for the animal, but it is most beneficial for them. It needs to be removed. It needs to be surgically removed so that it can be, it can heal back the way that it was supposed to, so that it can be pieced together the way that it is supposed to. And you might say that Jonah had some proud flesh in his life, and God was using this fish as a means through which to remove it. A painful one, a disturbing one, it probably wasn't very fun for Jonah being in the belly of this fish, but... But God was doing that through Jonah and for Jonah. Um, I think probably a lot of us have some proud flesh in our lives. And our lives, like that horse wound that's growing all these weird ways, our, our life has gone some strange directions, directions that were not right, not intended, and just the painful thing needs to happen for that thing to be cut off so that it can be pieced back together. And, and I would never hope God's correction i would never hope for jonah to be swallowed by this fish but but it's amazing that even in the uttermost parts of the sea as psalm 31 39 says that that god still deals with his people there are three observations about this process of this rogue representative that god takes his rogue representatives through three observations about that process and it's worth noting before i really get to start preaching here that Let's just stop for a moment to recognize that it would have been perfectly just for God for him to allow Jonah to be turned into fish poo, okay? Let's just, it would have been perfectly right. Jonah was a flat-out disobedient prophet of God. He was rogue. He was the rogue representative. God had every right just to allow him to be turned into fish poo. And I'm not even really sure why he didn't. I'm not even really sure why God doesn't for so many of us. But all I know what to say is that I guess simply because of God's great mercy that I don't understand the full depths of. His great love. He took Jonah through a process. And I believe that he'll take many of us through the process. This process that he takes his rogue representatives. And because I went to seminary, the letter of each one of these observations begins with the letter R. So there you go. So Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. And this is from the perspective of being inside this fish's belly. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. 
Look to your neighbor and say, he answered him. Out of the belly of Sheol, or hell, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. So let's paint this picture here. Um, Jonah is in the stomach of a fish. Last I checked, there's not a whole lot of light in that circumstance. It's dark. He's literally sitting in the stomach juices and water of this stomach that he is in. It's very likely burning his skin. At least that's been the account of other people that this has actually happened to. In history, it burns the skin. You're basically being digested, but you're not dead yet. That's the place from which Jonah is in this circumstance. So let's make sure we paint that picture. It's completely dark. There are these waves. He literally likens it to being in hell is what Jonah likens it to. He references it as being in the heart of the sea. He talks about this water, this like a flood coming over him. And if you imagine, if you, it's kind of hard to imagine being in a stomach, but if you did imagine that you're in a stomach and you're in the stomach of an animal that's moving, it's not like everything is calm and quiet. There are waves in there that are coming over him that he references there in the first part of chapter 2. It's choking him. The waves are coming up around him of this water and this stomach acid. He references these waves. He even talks about being cast out of the sight of God. That's what it felt like in this circumstance. And I remember when I was young, I had a childhood Bible storybook that actually depicted this, but they depicted it in a really kid-friendly kind of way they depicted this picture of Jonah in this great cavernous stomach like the size of this room and there was like this driftwood that he was nice and dry sitting on and he had a lantern <laughs> y'all I don't think he had a lantern inside the stomach of the fish so just let's make sure when we're raising our children or grandchildren reading them these stories let's give them let's give them what's there let's give them what's true I understand there's certain things that are appropriate for children at certain ages but I'm pretty sure Jonah didn't have a lantern and like this nice little dry space in which he was to... But despite this terrible situation, despite all these things, Jonah cried out and God answered him. Despite all of this stomach acid burning his flesh, these waves completely dark, can't see, he literally thinks he's a goner, he's been cast from the sight of God, he thinks. He cries out and God literally hears him. And his cry was one of repentance, which is our first, first point this morning of God's process for the rogue representative, one of repentance. Repentance is a word that people are really scared of, and there's a not a good understanding of it in today's world. Repentance used to mean what is biblically true, that you trust in God, you follow him, and you give up something, you turn from your old ways and now it's just adding people are cool with the adding of christ unbelievers want to add christ into their life blatant sinners that want to walk towards they want to walk towards a life of sin they want to add christ onto it but it's the taking away part so in this whole equation the interpretation of god's word for us this morning is that if god has called you to something dear friend that is called to ministry Dear person that is called to minister, even perhaps behind this pulpit, and you've never been behind a pulpit before. 
If you've said no to anything that God has called you to do, you need to repent. And it's more than just saying sorry. That certainly is one part of it. You need to repent. You need to apologize before Almighty God for having been disobedient for His good plans and purposes, which all of them are. But it's more than just saying sorry. In this example, it also means going and doing the thing. Or if it was a sin, it would mean going and not doing the thing. It would mean the negative, the cutting off of your life, the turning from that sin. But in the case of not doing something we are called to do, it means saying sorry, and it means going and doing it. It means that if you are called to ministry, you need to do what you can to position your life for ministry. It means that if you have been a disobedient believer, which if we were all to take a show of hands by how many of us have been disobedient believers, we would all raise our hand for the exclusion of those that don't know God. You're not a believer, so therefore it's impossible for you to be a disobedient one. You're just lost. But if you've been a believer, you're, you know Jesus and you've been disobedient. If, you, if you're a rogue Christian and you have this, I just need God's word, and, and you have this kind of island mentality of your christian walk and you don't need the church and and you balk at any kind of authority and you balk at any kind of accountability and and you just feel like it's this thing between you god you just need to know your christianity mirrors nothing of what is in the new testament church if you've been that way if if you've not been a giving person oh the pastor's talking about money no i'm saying if you're greedy if you're just a flat-out greedy person and I'm not talking about giving money to the church. I'm saying if, you, if, never met, if you've met someone that you know needs money and you've got an ability to meet their need and you haven't because you're just greedy, if you know you should be discipling people and you just don't, you just don't, you need to repent for those things. And then you need to go and tether yourself to a church as is the example in the New Testament. And you need to go be giving. You need to go find someone who needs some money, who's in a real tough situation. And you need to go get, three, you need to go get five pieces of green paper with some president's faces on it that have like a hundred number on it and go put it in their hand. You need to do that. You need to go do the thing that God has called you to do. If you haven't been discipling people, and you, you need to repent. And then you need to go make some disciples. You need to go do that. I'm being serious this morning. You really need to go do that. We need to. We're called to it. So God's process for the rogue representative is for them to repent. Now there are two things about this first point that I do want us to notice. And the first one is simply this. Um, if you were, I want you to rewind back to when Jonah was alive and he's, he's sitting on the dock there at Joppa. And let's say, just for the sake of the example, let's say that you know what's going to happen to Jonah because you know he's running. You, let's say you know what you know of God's word, that God is going to send this big fish because of Jonah's disobedience, and it's because of Jonah's rotten disobedience. He's doing this because he doesn't want the Ninevites to come to know God. And, and you're sitting there on the dock with, waiting for the boat uh, there in Joppa, and, and you, get to tell, you get to talk to Jonah. Have you thought about what, would you, what you'd say? I know what I'd say. I'd be like, um, hey, Jonah. So, I know you don't know me, but we need to have a talk. You, um, you really shouldn't get on this boat. And Jonah would say probably something like, no, I'm running from the, well, we know he said it. He did say, he told the sailors, I'm running from the presence of the Lord. So, he'd probably say something to you along the lines of, yeah, you know, I'm, 
God has called me to do this thing, but I'm, I'm running. I'm running from the presence of the Lord. And you would reply, if you cared anything about the poor guy, you'd say, no, you really can't get on this boat. I'm not going to let you get on this boat. Well, why won't you let me get on the boat? Because you don't know what God is preparing right now for you. <laughs> A fish that's going to swallow you. Jonah, you can't get on the boat. You've got to go back to Nineveh. You've got to go preach to those people. You're going to end up there anyway. So why don't you just cut out the whole part of the story where God has to get a fish to swallow you. Just go to Nineveh. Preach to those people. They'll come to repent. Those people are people that God has made. and They're going to repent. They're going to declare fast. Jonah, God is going to work powerfully through you. You've got to go to Nineveh. I can't let you get on this boat. Pastor Ben, are you really saying that God still deals with people that way? Are you, are you, are you preaching to us that... That if we're all sitting on the dock at Joppa and there's people that have run from God and are not doing the things that God has called them to do, that there is still a place for people to warn people and say, man, you really need to get on track. You really need to go do this thing that is so clear that you need to. It's not like this real ambiguous floaty thing of I don't know what God wants me to do. No, you really know what God has called you to do in your generosity, in your church life, in your discipleship making, in any facet of life, in ministry, in service, and you really know what God has called you to do. And you're just not. I believe with all my heart that God can bring those things. God can still bring fish to swallow people. God can still bring calamity to, calamity to swallow people. And I'm just saying, preach to yourself like you'd preach to Jonah if you knew the story. Preach that way to yourself in the mirror. But you might say, Pastor Ben, I, I've, I, I've gone so long of being disobedient. I've gone so long of pushing against the call to ministry. I've gone so long against just pushing against the things I know God has called me to do so clearly outlined in His Word, black and white, literally. Like, I've gone so long, and I, if that's you, if there's some things that you've kicked against, I just I, the good news that I want to share you, with you this morning is that our Lord's ears can still hear what's going on in the stomach of a fish. Somebody say amen. Our Lord can still hear what's going on even in those circumstances where He has humbled people and brought them low to bring them back on track. He can hear those prayers. I'm glad that my Lord's ears are attuned to what's going on in the stomach of a fish because I've been there before and I'm glad. I'm glad that my Lord can hear those cries, can hear those prayers of repentance. If you believe it, say yes. How merciful God must have been to Jonah. Jonah didn't deserve really how gracious it was for God to correct him. Jonah deserved to be turned into fish poo. Let's just be honest. That's really what Jonah deserved, and that's what many of us deserve also. But, but God is gracious, amen? And he's good. Verse 5. The waters surrounded me, Jonah said, even to my soul. We're getting close to summertime. Anybody, have, have you ever jumped in the pool and you get water in your eyes and your nose and your ears? You get water in places you didn't even know you had, okay? Like that's, as best I can tell, that's that feeling of like water being in your soul. It's in your eyes, it's in your ears, it's in your nose, it's burning your face and you're on the brink of drowning. That's what Jonah was, but instead of being on a nice pool on a nice summer day, he's in a stomach of a fish. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down into the moorings of the mountain. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. I don't know about you, but I've been fishing before, and when you 
catch a fish, you'll sometimes see when they went after your lure that they'll swallow seaweed with it, which we know is true. If you take a fish and cut them open, you'll see other debris, not just the thing that they were trying to eating, but other debris in there as well. So Jonah's got the, the seaweeds wrapped around his head in this confused state in which he is in. Gives us a picture of what's going on, these waters surrounding him. These weeds wrapped around his head, the moorings of the mountain like prison bars behind him. And he even alludes to the eternality of the situation. It felt like he was there forever. I mean, you and I could spend 30 seconds in the stomach of a fish and it would feel like 30 seconds too long. And that's the same way he felt about this situation of God really gracious, graciously correcting him to get him back on track. There's even an interpretation that I've heard before that people will say that Jonah actually died and that God actually raised him to life. There's so much of what he says in this chapter that lends itself to think that he was actually dead and that God resuscitated him. I'm not so sure I see that. I, I do see the comparisons to death, the comparisons to hell that he makes in all of this. But the real key here, look to the second part of verse 6 there. It says, yet you, look to your neighbor and say, yet the Lord, yet you, Jonah says, have brought my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. So God's process for the rogue representative, it's one of repentance. And secondly, this morning, it is one of restoration. It's one of restoration. It's one of saying, God, I believe you. And God, only by your power, if there's a way to get out of the belly of this fish, salvation is of you. It's not for me to pick, Jonah says, of, of it, whether the Ninevites get saved or not. Salvation is of the Lord. And God was going to restore him. And we see this restoration principle all throughout Scripture of, of very similar circumstances. You think of Peter. Man, what a dunce that guy was when he denied Christ three times. I'm not so sure many of us are that different from Peter, but he denies Christ three times. He goes back to fishing, and there's that great story in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, where, where Jesus is on the beach and he restores Peter. Peter didn't deserve to be restored and then to be this great Pentecostal preacher that, that God raised up. Peter didn't deserve any of that. But Jesus chose to restore him, to bring him to this place. He had repented. The Bible says that when, after he had denied Christ, he went out and wept bitterly. He repented. He's going back to fishing. And then Jesus comes about to this restoring of him, to bring him back. The same thing was true for Jonah. Ezekiel thirty-three eleven says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. The Ben Schwederman translation Bible says, I say to them as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I have no pleasure in turning Jonah into fish poo. I have no pleasure in letting Peter go back to be a fisherman. My, my mission, my process is for them to repent and for them to be then restored. God has no pleasure and for those of you that he's called into ministry and those of you that you know he's called into specific things. He's not, it's not his pleasure to, for you just to be destroyed and to, be, to go away. It's his good pleasure for you to repent and for him to restore you, for him to make you whole and new in only the way that the Lord Jesus Christ can. If you know that to be true, say amen. God's process for the rogue representative, one of repentance, one of restoration. So I'm just curious who's going to be restored around here. 
back to the vision, back to the mission? Who's going to be restored back to their Nineveh? Who's going to be like Peter and be restored back to being the preacher? Who's going to be restored? I believe that some will, I believe that some will not. It's important for us all to remember, guys, that as I'm preaching this, these things are true and these things are so not because we are God's special glory children that he needs and it's like okay what well, God did not say when Jonah started to flee God did not say oh no how am I ever going to get the Ninevites saved then whoever's going to speak whom who am I going to be able to get to speak for me so I can speak through them to the Ninevites so that I can save all like, like that's not what God said God if God could have replaced Jonah in a millisecond God could have replaced Peter in a millisecond. He can replace you and me in a millisecond. And sometimes there are examples when people continually kick against what God has continued to call them to do, that God does replace them. So let these sink into your heart and into your mind this morning. The prophet Eli, long periods of time of dull, being just dull in his ministry, overly fat in his body he was consistently kicking against what god had called him to do and we know what god did he raised up this young boy named samuel and he replaced eli with the prophet samuel king saul continually kicking against what god had called him to do letting jealousy rise up in his leadership letting all these things continually trying to kill david pursuing him in the desert even even after david gave him all these chances to not try and kill him anymore and, and saul continued to do the wrong thing and we know that god replaced saul with this young boy named david and i believe with all my heart that if, if jonah would have continued we don't know for certain it didn't happen this way so we don't know it's not in god's word to tell us explicitly but as best i can tell if jonah from that belly of the fish said lord i still hate those ninevites i'm still not going to go preach to them your message of repentance i'm still not going to go preach this judgment that you're going to pour out on them which will cause them to repent i believe that god would have replaced him and that just perhaps Jonah would have never made it out of that belly of that fish. I believe that if Peter, when he saw Jesus walking on the beach and he's in his boat and the story there in John chapter 20, if Peter would have saw, seen Jesus and said, you know what, I'm done with this man. I'm done with the life that he's given me. I'm done, I'm done with the calling. I'm done with what he's asking me to do. I think that just perhaps Jesus would have kept walking on that beach and there would have been a different preacher of Pentecost. There would have been a different rock upon which Jesus was going to build his church. It wouldn't have been Peter. So make no mistake, I believe that the pattern of our Lord's nature, the, the, the continual pattern that we see is one of restoration. But it's also one that God isn't playing patty cake with the things he's calling us to do, church. Do you know that? Do you believe that? God's not playing patty cake with your obedience. God's not playing patty cake with your discipling of other people. We're talking about life and death for eternity. This is no joking matter. If you wanted to become a horseback rider and you bought a horse to trail ride on, and let's say that your objective was to, to trail ride, and this horse was disobedient in going the direction you wanted to go, it would buck you off and you couldn't get it to go calmly down the trail. If you didn't, if your only objective, if your only objective was to go down the trail 
and you didn't care about the horse. You didn't love the horse. You didn't feed the horse. You weren't long-suffering with the horse. You weren't patient with it. You weren't willing to go through whatever it took to get this horse back on track. If that wasn't the case, you would just swap it out. You just swap it out for another horse. You just get a different one. Because your only objective is to get the thing done before you. If God's only objective was to save the Ninevites, I'm thinking that probably he would have just replaced Jonah. He just would have done something different. He would have gotten someone else to do it. He would have fulfilled his objective and that would have been it. But, but God loves Jonah. God loves you. God's patient with Jonah. Yes, it's his objective to work through you and for you to be obedient. Yes, that is God's objective for many people to come to know the truth through you, for you to be a proclaimer of this gospel that is God's will for your life. But God loves you. He's patient with you. Even if you were a horse owner that had this objective of trail riding and, and your horse was disobedient, but you loved the horse and you fed the horse and you cared for the horse and, and you were long-suffering with the horse, if the horse just wasn't going to do it, you send the horse to training and you do all that you can with this horse. You try to desensitize the horse and get the horse comfortable with going down the trail and, and show the horse and have other horses go before them so that you can get the horse to follow. You do all these things that you can, but if the horse just will not have it, even if the horse is loved and cared for, the horse will be replaced. Repentance and restoration. Look to your neighbor and say, will it be you? Let's try it again. Look to your neighbor and say, will it be you? Will it be you who repents? Will it be you who is restored to the way that God has called you to go? Verse 7. My soul fainted when my soul fainted within me. I remember the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Tarshish, where Jonah was going, was approximately 3,000 miles from Nineveh where God had called him to go. We don't know exactly where Jonah was spit up onto, but a lot of Bible theologians, they'll say that it was probably somewhere within the vicinity of like 200 miles from where Jonah was supposed to go, from where Nineveh was. So in this process of, that God is taking through, Jonah through of this repentance and this restoration that God in his sovereign foreknowledge had that fish turn around and take him back, as best we can tell, pretty close to Nineveh. We don't know how close, but it sounds like in the text when you read further that he got there pretty quickly. It wasn't a 3,000-mile journey between him and Nineveh, as best we can tell. This fish likely spit him up on shore close to his destination. God's process for the rogue representative is one of repentance, one of restoration, and finally this morning, it's one of re direction it's one of redirection when jonah repented and was restored he was redirected from tarshish to nineveh when peter was redirected from being a fisherman to a fisher of men when he repented and was restored he went from a fisherman to a fisher of men when zacchaeus repented and was restored by the lord jesus christ he was redirected from being a money thief to a money giver when Paul repented and was restored, 
he was redirected from being the persecutor of the Christian to being the Christian preacher. So here's what I believe the beckoning call of our master is today. Will repentance and restoration have its proper work in you to redirect you? Do you, do you believe God to the point where you're willing to say, yes, I'll go to the Ninevites. Yes, I see Jesus and I believe it's him. I'm going off this boat. I'm going to the beach. I'm going to be faithful to what it is that he has called me to do. You know, something that's interesting about all this that we've preached thus far, and we can come to the music at this time, is that when the person, when the lost person repents and is restored, there's a redirecting of your eternity. That's huge. Would you stand with me? Something that I hope you've noticed in all of this, of this repentance, of this restoration, of this redirection. Have you noticed that it was God doing the work? That it was God creating that fish? That it was God directing that fish? That, that it was God's process? It was His work? It's like, man, He is, he is serious. He is so serious about our obedience about our walk with him that much is sure but man he is a good shepherd and he is patient he is long suffering towards us the bible says so do i think that god has been patient with a lot of us for a lot of different reasons absolutely do i also believe though that if we just continue to kick against like eli if we just continue to kick against like King Saul, could God replace us? Could God replace us for what God is calling us to do? Yes. I do believe that. That's not a legacy you want. That's not a legacy I want for you. That, that's, that's not the right thing. Don't, don't go that route just thinking, well, God will still, God will still get the Ninevites saved even if I'm not the one that goes. God will still pre get the gospel preached to my neighbor even if I don't go. Don't, believe, don't fill your head with that kind of nonsense. God has called you, sir, madam. He's called you to be a preacher. He's called you to be a proclaimer of this gospel. He's called you to be obedient in all areas of life. He's called you dads to lead your families and to love your children, to be the spiritual head in your home. He's called you, dear ladies, to love and respect your husbands and to be a servant to him. He's called us. Let us repent. Let us be restored by his good work. And let us be redirected. Let's pray. Father in heaven, let us be a redirected people for your kingdom purposes. We do pray. In Jesus' name, and all the church says, amen. Let's worship together.